You're listening to Beyond Synth, the best synthwave chat show there is. Hey there, welcome to the show. This is Beyond Synth, episode 295. And on the show today, I am going to be chatting with Megan McDuffie. And we'll be talking to her in just a bit. I have a few more letters to read. A few of them uh, snuck through the cracks. And so we'll read those, do birthdays, listen to some awesome music, just like every week. Because that's what we do here. My name's Andy, by the way. Let's get the show started. I got a cool song here from the the Starfighter, and uh, you're going to dig it. It's brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters, the Kings of the Pattersons. You know their names. We're talking about Chris Dance. We're talking about Robert D. Bishop. And we're talking about Mike Shema. You guys are cool. And uh, here is a cool song to celebrate the awesome Kings of the Pattersons. This is The Starfighter with the heist.
All right, and that was The Heist by The Starfighter. That is a cool track. It is brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters in the Kroner Club. We got Emil and Hampus ML, and uh, we're back here. So I'd just like to point out my kids are about to start school, so the schedule for the next episode and possibly this one is going to be a little delayed, but don't you fret because there is a brand new episode of Andy Space coming soon maybe even by the time this episode posts uh the awesome patreon supporters might already have early access to that video so go check it out and uh, if you haven't already and if you do enjoy andy spaceship please go to youtube and like and subscribe and and notifications and all that shit for the andy's spaceship youtube channel because that is where all the new episodes are going to be posted and uh, don't forget to support the show by going to patreon.com slash beyondsynth or beyondsynth.com and click on the donate button. You know, I was just thinking, because for the past few nights when I put my daughter to bed, I've been watching an episode of Miami Vice. So I did actually watch that episode that everyone told me to watch, which is considered, I guess, the best episode of Miami Vice, out where the buses don't run, and uh, it was good. It was a little hard to follow at first because they kept on throwing out all these names of drug kingpins and their associates and stuff, and I was kind of like, what the hell's going on? And there's this guy who was in a mental institute who used to be a cop, And I will say this, I thought I guessed the ending of the episode and I didn't. Because whenever people don't want to give the story away... And they go, oh, you know, it's about uh, this ex-cop, and he's like, helping them take down this drug dealer who's disappeared. And uh, but he was, but the the cop was in a mental institute. And uh, you know, by the time you get to the end of the episode, when you finally realize what's happening and everything comes together, that's what makes the episode so good. So immediately, because I always like to guess, I'm like, oh, okay, okay. So the fucking ex-cop is crazy, and he leads them on a wild goose chase, and it turns out that the whole thing was in his head, and he was just making shit up. But then he actually did help them on some busts that really went down. So I'm like, okay, so it's not in his head unless this episode's a dream. And so when it ended, I was like, okay, there was a twist and I didn't guess it. The other thing that's funny about old Miami Vice, I guess just Miami Vice, because there's only that in the movie, right? Is uh, I am enjoying watching it because I went back and I'm in the first season. But I love how like the episodes end really abruptly. Like there's no denouement in that show. There's no like cool down period. Like sometimes the episode will end literally with like the bad guy of the episode just getting blown away and then it just cuts to credits like two seconds later. <laughs> like, whoa, okay. Like they really push the story right to the end before the credits start. Two nights ago, the episode I watched, the fucking guest star was Bruce Willis. And he just plays like this shithead uh, kind of arms dealer guy who's like uh, beating up his wife and stuff. And it was just like, Bruce Willis? Like that's fucking crazy. <laughs> But Miami Vice is like that. It's like every week there's a guest star who ended up with like a big movie career. So it is kind of fun. Like in the week before it was Dennis Farina was like the the mob boss guy. So anyway, so look, let's listen to another track and then uh, we'll read some letters. So I got a cool one here from Liam Leon. It's brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. There's Jose Arbello, the king of hell and Mike Erdahl, the donation of the beast plus 50. And uh, here's a song for you. This is Meet Again by Liam Leon.
was Liam Leon with the track Meet Again. And that was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. There's Tim Carlton, the Golden Boner, and Jacob Wick, my semi-sonic friend. So I got a big long letter here. This letter is called Video Game Made Listening to Beyond Synth. Hello, Andy. My name is Daniel. I'm from Poland, and I thought I'd share my story with you, because why the fuck not? Because I can! Story begins in... (laughs) Okay, he's uh, mentioned a small town spelled (laughs) Z-Q-B-K-I. Oh, it's not a Q. It's an A with a little upside-down C underneath it. So I guess it's an A? Okay, how the fuck do you pronounce this? Zebki. This is weird. I cannot find how to say this. Pronounce Zabki. Zabek. How to pronounce Dolce. What is this? All right. Well, look, man, I tried. (laughs) I don't know how to say this word. It looks like Zabki to me, but it's probably like Zuki or something. Or maybe it's not even a Z sound. Anyways, story begins in insert town name. A small town under the capital city Warsaw in Poland. Deadly COVID virus hit my veins and I was so bored. I've started prototyping a video game. Does COVID go into your veins? Oh, I guess you got veins in your lungs. The project started to grow and I deep dive into it on about five months. During this project, I've discovered Beyond Synth. I'm a synth fan as long as I remember, but Beyond Synth was the first and only music podcast I've started to listen because it, like, jumped somehow in my synthwave SoundCloud. During development, I was making almost every day, in summary, about 50 to 60 kilometers bicycle ride to fresh my head, and I was listening then Beyond Synth episodes. Alright, so he's listening to the show while riding his bike. Today the game has a publisher and official demo on Steam. Yes, yes, yes. 
yes, this is the link where you can check it out. And he's left me a link. What's the game called? Raze? R-A-Y-Z-E. More than that, in the full game, the project gathers synth music creators that I admire. So this is like super bonus for me. That a story of a small game from a small town which was created while listening to Beyond Synth. It's like unbelievable, but yes, it happened in real world. I love to hear chatting during podcast, and podcast gave me much musical inspirations to listen while working. So thank you, Andy. You're doing a great job. When my game make me a millionaire, I'll become a patron for show. Today, I'm waiting every weekend for my bicycle ride with the new Beyond Synth episode. I've also started to be curious about Andy's spaceship. You said last time you want someday to invite game developers. It's not much, but now you can. When my game is released in full, and it will be a great success, I'll be back to you. So that's the story. Happy to discover Beyond Synth. Happy to have an opportunity to write to you, and best wishes for your projects. Cheers, Daniel. P.S. I was organizing Mortal Kombat tournaments in Poland, so high five, MK for life. Well, thanks, Daniel. That's a lovely letter, and I'm glad you got something accomplished. I can never tell if Beyond Synth is a useful thing to listen to while actually trying to do work, like where you have to think. But I'll tell you what, man. I don't need you to be a millionaire. What I need is for people to start making the games I want. (laughs) I think uh, if the kids go to school and they don't get pulled out of school immediately because the old fucking Delta variant, I think I'm going to start trying to Twitch stream again. And I thought it would be fun to start blueprinting ideas for the games I want to have made. Because we still, listen, man, we ought to pool together here and make the thing I want. (laughs) Because... You know I want the, the modern-day golden eye. Like, you know it has to happen. And the more I've been watching these old Miami Vice episodes, the more I'm thinking, like, Christ, all the characters have to be dressed like this. Wearing the 80s fashions and stuff. Like, God, it, it's what the world needs. But look, the point is this. Uh, Daniel, congratulations on making a game. That's awesome. I love when people get real things done. And uh, I look forward to checking out. So maybe I'll post the link to his game in the show notes. So if you click on the uh, SoundCloud link and go to more info, I'll put his uh, the link down there. There and you can uh, check it out. And now let's check out a cool song. Okay, I got one here from Observer Drift. It's brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. There's City Hunter, the coolest guy in town, and Hugh Hefner in the 2666 Club. And this is Observer Drift with the Outsider.
And that was The Outsider by Observer Drift. And that is a cool song. And that was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters in the $25 Club. Awesome people like A Star Apart, Alex Ellickson, Blake Peterson, and Clint Dowling. And we are back. This is Beyond Sense. We'll be chatting with Megan McDuffie a little bit later in the show. Right now, I have another letter to read. This one's from Daniel Williams. He says, Hi, Andy. Just caught up on the shows. Great, as always. Thought I'd write in after your listener mail episode. Oops. When you were chatting about games with varying endings, you've got to talk about Detroit. On paper, not a game I'd usually enjoy, gameplay being fairly simplistic, etc. But the whole thing feels like a playable epic sci-fi movie. The motion capture is amazing, but in terms of story, you have a huge effect on how it all plays out. The collectibles for the game really are unlocking the various story paths, which is a nice change of pace from grinding for coins or feathers or whatever. Oh, and a Turbo Doctor Who question. Who's your favorite Doctor from the modern era? It's Matt Smith for me. Jodie Whittaker's great, but the writing seems to have gone to shit a few years ago, and they could maybe do with giving the franchise a rest for a while. I hope that doesn't set you off on a rant. (laughs) I do, really. Cheers, Dan! Well, thanks, Dan. I have not played Detroit, although I know the guy on the cover picture. My wife watches um, Grey's Anatomy, and so that's what that actor is from. Dude's got a very striking face, because he's got these, like, these blue eyes. So that's the only thing I know about Detroit. It's that that guy's face is on the cover. As far as modern era Doctor Who, let me think. The issue for me is I haven't always loved the overall direction of modern Doctor Who. So there are some great episodes, I think, earlier on. It's tricky to pick my favorite Doctor because they all have sort of strengths and weaknesses. Like, I think Christopher Eccleston, when he was in serious mode, I felt like he was better than the other ones in terms of intensity. But his comedy stuff was weird. And I always got this impression that like Doctor Who was beneath him. Like, I even felt that in his performance. I honestly think it's probably David Tennant, but part of that is just because he had a bunch of good stories. Matt Smith definitely brought a more genuine weirdness to his portrayal. You know, Tom Baker, who is the best Doctor of all time, is a genuine weirdo. Like, he's not acting. You know what I mean? That's just him. He just happened to be this huge personality with a great voice and a stature and just looked weird and interesting. And he was like the the whole deal. Whereas like in modern Doctor Who, a lot of it is like he's written eccentric on the page and the actors are sort of pretending to be eccentric as opposed to being really being eccentric, if you know what I'm saying. If I was in charge of the show and I was casting, I would look for a genuine weirdo. It might be a risk like an actual production risk if you hire a guy who's like so weird that like they don't show up on time and they get to work and are like so strange that like they won't read any of the lines on the page or whatever you know what I mean like but you got to find someone that's so strange and compelling that you just want to look at them like when they're on screen I feel that Matt Smith had a his weirdness felt more genuine but he was definitely the weakest actor of all of the people who have played the Doctor so far and it especially showed whenever they gave him like those speeches in quotes like you know like if they which i hate this about new doctor who by the way i hate there's all these youtube videos where it's all just like oh the doctor being iconic for 10 minutes and then he like gives it's all his speeches because those speeches annoy me I, I guess they just have a different effect on like modern doctor who fans than they do on me that's one of the directions of the new show that i never liked 
I never liked how they treat the doctor like a god. You know, like he gives speeches in front of all the ships and they just fly away and flee because the doctor is so amazing. And uh, and I hate that. Like, I love when the doctor has to win over the people he's with. And I, I don't like this whole... It happened in Matt Smith a few times where, like, he literally defeats a bad guy by just saying, like, look me up on the internet. And they look him up and realize they're going to lose, so they leave. And it's like, it's cute, but it's dumb. And I don't like it. So definitely whenever Matt Smith was doing the emotional stuff, he wasn't as strong. David Tennant was much better. Whenever David Tennant was, like, being sad, I think he pulled it off better. And Peter Capaldi should have been the best but his era is nonsense to me. Like, he's just wasted. That's all I feel about his doctor. It's really disappointing. Because, like, on paper, visually and temperamentally, he should have been the best. But, Christ, his era, like, the stories don't make sense. <laughs> like, they just... One of these days, you know what? I'll go back and I'll do, like, a watch of all the new series again. Because, to be honest, I was so excited when Doctor Who came back on the air in 2004. I watched the first season. Like, every episode, I probably watched, like, fucking six times. You know what I mean? Like, the episode would come out, I'd watch it, and then I would just watch it again and watch it again, because I was so happy that Doctor Who was back on the air. And to be honest, after Matt Smith's second season, I just didn't like the tone of the show, and I felt like the stories were really convoluted, they didn't make sense, and I just couldn't engage with the show because I was like these stories don't make sense like this is just annoying Matt Smith's second season onwards I've probably only seen each episode like once and so uh, most of them I forget and then Jodie Whittaker's season I've only seen a few of them I just really didn't like the tone of the show <laughs> like so I, I should probably go back and watch hers and give it more of a chance but to be honest with you I just didn't I didn't like how she was performing like it seemed like she was doing an impression of like Matt Smith and David Tennant like, that's what it feels like she's doing. And I found it distracting. And I didn't like the interior of the TARDIS. I didn't like the crew. Like, I just didn't... It didn't gel with me. But, to be fair, I haven't really watched them all. So, maybe one of these days I will watch them all and then give you an honest appraisal. Uh, and that's my story. So, I guess David Tennant is the answer to your question. And now, let's listen to a song. I got one here from Architect, And it's uh, brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters in the $25 Club. Awesome people like Eurobeat Intensifies, Honey beard jimmy the hot and johnny five hope you dig this song this is architect with listen Listen. 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 Listen.
And that was Listen by Arpitect. That's a cool one. I love that fucking... <laughs> that's why I like the song. That, that's my favorite bit. Uh, and that was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters in the $25 club. We're talking about Kempson, Kenjiru, Mr. Magoo Samurai, and Neverman. And speaking of samurai, this fucking Ghost of Tsushima game is awesome. Holy smokes, is this game amazing. I love it. So, I think I have, a, actually, an audio recording that someone sent in that went to my spam folder, which is why I didn't play it on the Listener Mail Show. So, let's uh, listen to this. Andy, how's it going, man? This is Akio Nakasone. I am a listener and patron. Um, I do have a random question for you, but before I get to that, I just wanted to say thank you for everything you do with the show. I always appreciate that you try to do something new all the time, so thanks for that. So, random question is, are you fond of any soundtracks to movies that you've never seen? Yeah, give me your thoughts. Thanks. Um, bye-bye. Alright, thanks, dude. Akio, why did I never think to pronounce it that way? I always say Akio Nakasone, but it's Akio. You know what's interesting? When you sent me this in, it went to my spam folder, by the way, and I pressed play, and before you said your name, in my brain I went, I wonder if his name's pronounced Akio, and I don't know why it never clicked into me until that exact moment, and then when you said it, I'm like, ah. Anyways, man, listen, thank you. I'm, uh, I do always try and do uh, some new stuff. Because it's what keeps me interested. Even if it's just little things. Sometimes just like changing the art for the uh, the show, the MP3 files, or, uh, you know, recording new intro and outro narrations for the show every season, and coming up with uh, new segments that we <laughs> do three times and forget about. But uh, it, it's always fun. Even if they're little things, I do enjoy them. And then it's interesting when you go back and listen to old episodes and go, wow, like the, you know, the format's quite different. Which is cool. I want it to be that way. So to answer your question, is there soundtracks I like to movies I haven't seen? Okay, I guess the short answer is no, but I do know that experience. Like, I know, for example, the movie Dark City. I heard the score before I saw the film. I remember it sort of affected my enjoyment, actually, because there was this part of one of the songs that was really cool, but then when I watched the movie, it was sort of buried under the sound mix. Well, this might damage some of my 80s cred, but, you know, there's a ton of 80s movies I haven't seen, so I've never seen Chariots of Fire. But I do like the song. Because I think there is some examples of cool music I've heard before I saw the film, but since then I've seen the film. (laughs) But there was a period of time in my life where I did listen to a lot of score music. I had this double CD of Danny Elfman scores, so I did listen to music from movies I hadn't seen. Like, I never watched Dolores Claiborne and uh, some other ones, but my favorite tracks were still from movies that I had seen, like, uh, Batman Returns, which is, like, one of my favorite Danny Elfman scores. To twist your question a bit, there's music that I like from movies that weren't that strong. Like, I I love Danny Elfman's theme song for Planet of the Apes. Like, the movie's not great, but the song is wicked. It's, like, got that crazy percussion. I think that song is awesome. There was a song from Cat People that I liked. Paul's theme. His 
Cat People I've never watched all the way through, but I've skipped through it. We had the movie on a hard drive or something, and I'd never seen Cat People, but I really liked the song from it, and I skimmed through it one day because I wanted to see if you saw the lady naked. And you do. Yeah, it's Giorgio Moroder. It's called Paul's Theme from uh, the Cat People soundtrack. So that's one where I love that song, and I've never sat through Cat People. Oh, and you know what else is amazing? Although this isn't the movie, but I've never seen Aquaman, but the trailer music for Aquaman is amazing. It's like probably my favorite epic trailer music. just that fucking it's fucking so awesome i love that trailer music i've never watched aquaman so does that count i mean i don't think they play that song in the film could be wrong basically the point is this normally it's watching a movie and then really liking the score as i watch it that makes me go oh shit i need to listen to this score and i don't really have any friends who recommend me movie score music I did when I was in high school, and I don't now. It's not something in my life where someone just says, like, hey, you should check out the soundtrack to whatever, you know, movie. Like, that just doesn't happen anymore. So... It doesn't happen anymore. <laughs> anyway. All right, look, let's listen to another song. Uh, I got a cool one here from Synth Quartz. It's brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters in the $25 Club. We got Neverman, Newmark, Restless Nights, and Techno Ben. And I uh, hope you dig this. This is Synth Quartz with Melody Goes Inside Me.
And that was Melody Goes Inside Me by Synth Quartz. And that was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. There's Forged in Neon with a 2049. Go check out Forged in Neon. She's cool. She's got a blog and a site. And she puts out a podcast with her picks, uh, top tunes. And she does interviews and shit. And in the $20 Club, we got Joshua Winter and Chatterack. And uh, let's do some birthdays. Alright, we just got one this week on September the 12th. A very happy birthday to Rama Brunch. Rama, how's it going, buddy? I hope you have an awesome birthday. I'm still laughing about your voice message you sent the <laughs> for the listener mail show. There was a sentence where you said, uh, you're happy I keep the show light and don't talk about stuff going on in the real world or all these depressing things or that everything is an agenda from the lizard people and the way... <laughs> the way you said lizard people. <laughs> I listened to that message a few times. It really made me laugh. So look, buddy, uh, you're a cool guy. Thanks for supporting the show. Uh, you uh, hope you have an awesome day. Rama Branch. And now forever I know that it's Rama. Because I always used to say, is it Rama or Rama or Rama? But then you were like, hello, Andy. Rama here. And I'm like, it's fucking Rama. And now we are on a trajectory to see how many weeks it is before I forget that. But anyways, man, look, you're a cool guy. So happy birthday to you. And go get yourself something nice, a cigar, and a piece of cake, a lady. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know what people get for their birthdays anymore. No one celebrates mine. But uh, the point is this. You're a cool guy, all right? Keep on being cool and keep on listening to Beyond Synth. Uh, yeah, and that's it. I guess that's the only birthday this week, right? Yeah. Rama Branch. Rama Branch. The solo birthday. Han Solo. All right. Let's listen to one more song and then we will chat with Megan McDuffie. And uh, this song's brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. There's Waylon Kasky Geospatial with the 1988, COVID 1986 with the 1986, and in the 1985 club, it's Rachel Buchelman and Sarah Buchelman, and this is a cool song from Takahashi Jones. This is Terraformer.
And that was Terraformer by Takahashi Jones. And that was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. Okay, we got Gene Creamer, Private Eye. We got Prophet of Jupiter. We got Mads Baron Christensen, Skywolf, Retro Serenade. And we will never forget the immortal Chris Salaya Lane. I hope you're all having a lovely day. And now let's go to my chat with Megan McDuffie. All right, well, I am here right now with Megan McDuffie. How's it going? It's going well. How are you? I'm okay. Yeah, we ran out of tea, so I had to, like, I used this old tea bag, and I'm not sure if, like, I haven't really tasted it yet, so I don't know what's about to happen to me. Uh Uh-oh. I'm going to take a sip and see. Maybe awesome super mutant powers? Oh, I hope so. That'd be dope. (laughs) (laughs) Well, just... Yeah, man, you know when you run out of tea and I looked in and there was like one tea bag that was still like sitting there, like that someone had left on a plate and it's like... Oh. All alone. So sad. I think I can absorb some more juice from this bag, so I'm going to... Uh, oh, nope, that's not a good quote. How are you anyways? What's going on over there? Crazing. <laughs> I'm good. I'm just crazy busy, so I am stoked to uh, take this little break and be here with you. What are you busy doing? Let's see. I'm either currently working on or just finished or just starting about 50 different tracks for about four different game clients right now. Nice. (laughs) Yeah, it's a lot. I sort of got to know your stuff when you started collaborating with uh, artists in the synthwave scene, but you sort of have a history of doing score music and video game music and stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been... uh, doing that full-time for game studios and indie filmmakers and et cetera, et cetera, for almost a decade now. Did you go to school for music? I did, yeah. I um, I have two music degrees. <laughs> Ooh, what, are, what does it say on them? Oh, I'm looking at them right now. So uh, my undergrad, my Bachelor of Arts is in film scoring with a minor in electronic music. And then my graduate master's is in orchestration for film and television. So what exactly do you learn? <laughs> like when, it, when you, you learn orchestration, what does that mean? That means that you know how to sit down and literally write sheet music for every single orchestral instrument. And is that fun? <laughs> <laughs> you can, you can hear the question. tone in my voice. I think I'm giving away how I feel about it. <laughs> it's a completely valid question. I find it fun because as a film composer, since that's what I wanted to do, that's what I went to school for, I was like, okay, I, I know <laughs> I know music theory, I've been you know training for this my whole life, but how the fuck do I write for an orchestra? That always fascinated me. Like when I sat in a movie theater and I was listening to a John Williams score, my brain was just, how do I do this? How do I do this? So that's what I went to grad school for was like, okay, how do I <laughs> how do I take a melody and then appropriately apply it, you know, and arrange it for a full orchestra? What exactly is the difference? Is it just that if you're like, if I'm writing for a viola, like notes get held differently or they, they appear for different lengths or like, because in my head I'm just thinking like, okay, well you have a melody and you just go, all right, give that to the cellist. But is it just is it written differently when it's coming out of a cello? Some instruments are written as you would expect. There's probably a word for it that's escaping my brain right now. But some instruments are called transposing instruments, and those are the ones that give me a headache. Those are things like trumpets, for instance, you or clarinet. Clarinets play in B flat. So <laughs> if you write a C 
on the staff paper, you're going to hear a B-flat. So everything is transposed. It's a nightmare, unless you know what you're doing. Why don't they just reset that? (laughs) You know, I really don't know. It's some antiquated thing left over from when those instruments were first created. That's my guess. See, I always I always have a trouble with things like this. It's the same with like Fahrenheit and metric or whatever. It's just like, you know, you can just get rid of the other system and just throw it in. And it's just like, who, <laughs> is there someone, is there like a saxophonist that's just so passionate about this B flat thing that they're not allowing change? Who knows? <laughs> I think people are just reticent to change whatever it may be. Mm, I, I, I need to talk to a saxophonist. <laughs> yes. Find me one of those and I'll, I'll <laughs> give them what for. <laughs> so so what does it basically mean then? So you write the melody out and then if it's in a transposed instrument, then you just take it and just drag it down? Because I'm picturing doing it in a DAW. So I'm like, mm. you're highlighting all the notes and just dragging them around the screen. Well, it's... Uh, God, I wish it was that simple. <laughs> <laughs> me too. I, <laughs> I really I really do. Man, that would have saved me a lot of freaking time in school. Uh <laughs> No, it, it literally you have to take your composition and it's pretty old school. If you want to give sheet music to real live musicians to play, certain rules have to be followed. And if you hear it, here's the thing that always gets me. They still haven't figured out a way for what you're doing in a DAW to translate properly and cleanly to sheet music. There's nothing that does that. What? Okay, get this. So, for example. Is that true? I feel like there's got to be some stupid plug-in that just, like, turn your thing into sheet music. It just poops it out? No. (laughs) If only. Hmm. Somebody out there, please invent this. (laughs) (laughs) I will love you forever, and many, many musicians will love you forever. Yeah, so when I do orchestral writing, luckily I haven't had the opportunity to record with live, you know, live orchestra very often. But when I do, I compose everything digitally in my DAW and I know how I want it to sound. And then I have to have to physically go into a different program and transcribe it all from the MIDI into sheet music, sheet notation, because there's no way to have, say, a string part look, you know, look proper when it goes from MIDI to staff paper. Can you get like a program on like an iPad? Where you can, like, draw the notes in and it'll, like, make them appear? Probably. That'd be cool. That would be cool. I got back into drawing on my iPad, so uh, now I'm all this, <laughs> I'm all excited about iPads again. About the capabilities, yeah. Yeah, because, yeah, I could say, I could picture that being a program, right? Like, you just have to touch it with the pen, but then it, like, places the note for you, so it, like, writes the, the nice-looking uh, treble clef. That's the only word I remember. <laughs> <laughs> what do you, you just call them notes. What am I, what? I, I forgot the word for note. Okay. <laughs> Good. The music dot. <laughs> yeah. The one with the line and the little squiggly thing at the top? <laughs> yes. Lines and squiggles. That's all it is. So when you say these transpose uh, instruments give you a headache, is that just the, the the headache is due to the process of transposing the notes, or do you not like the sound of a trumpet? Oh, it, it's a <laughs> it's a mental exercise rather than, uh, you know, my ears bleeding. <laughs> right. Okay. So then, so you go to school, mm-hmm. you do this orchestra stuff. Mm-hmm. You get a diploma. Mm-hmm. And then, what's the kind of work you get? Is there like immediate work? Is there like weird stuff like get coffee for some asshole? Or like, <laughs> is it just sort of, now I'm working for myself kind of thing? Uh, yeah, so naive me thought, okay, I've got these degrees. I'm going to go to Hollywood and be a film composer, and that's mm. going to happen. That didn't happen. <laughs> um, there's really no 
one set path if you want to do this. Really, any facet of the music industry, there's no set path. It's not like you want to be an orchestrator and you just do it. It's not like other professions where, say, you train as an electrician and then you get a job at a company that sends out electricians. It's, I wish it were that simple, but the path is... Like an orchestrator's union? (laughs) (laughs) They just send you out on jobs, just like, all right, Jim, you're next up. We got to... Someone needs an orchestra, and uh, we gotta send you to the studio. <laughs> it's a two-week job. We're sending you the, to this director's house. You're gonna get whoever you get. It's not that simple. <laughs> so, yeah, I was I was full of energy and and hope and sparkly dreams, mm. and uh, I mean I still am to a degree, but it, <laughs> I know things now that I didn't when I was 22, mm. and. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I guess I'm rambling. <laughs> Give me now. a list of all of those things. I want <laughs> <laughs> Actually, hold on. What I want to do is I want to listen to some music first, and then uh, we'll keep talking. Okay, good idea. I've grabbed just. A, it's funny. We're here talking about orchestras, but then the majority of music we're going to listen to is uh, is uh, synthwave related and uh, stuff where you're singing on people's tracks and things. I've picked uh, a couple of your collabs, and uh, and then we'll be listening to. Uh, later on, some tracks from your uh, your new album, which just came out, and all sorts of stuff. Awesome. But I thought I would uh, play this track. Uh, it was a collab with Mitch Murder, because mm. uh, Mitch Murder is a cool guy. It's called Program 890. Did you say 893 or 893? How would you say it? I just say 893. Oh, you say 893? That wasn't even one of the options. Yeah. Option, <laughs> option C. <laughs> all right. Well, let's uh, listen to this. This is Mitch Murder's track, uh, uh, Program 893, featuring Megan McDuffie.
All right, and that was Mitch Murder with program 893 featuring Megan McDuffie. And I'm here today with Megan McDuffie talking about orchestras and and all sorts of cool stuff like that. Mostly that. <laughs> Mostly that so far. All right, so then let's let's chart a trajectory here. So you get this diploma, you put it in a frame, I'm guessing, if you can see it. Is it in yeah. a frame? Yeah, they both are. I'm sitting staring at them right now. Do you have them high up or sort of eye level when you're sitting? Well, I'm really short, so everything is higher up. I guess that's true. But I mean, <laughs> when you're sitting in a chair, though, it's like that. that's the, that's the equalizer. Okay, then I guess they are. They're above my head when I'm sitting. So then... You, you get home, you nail these things to the wall. Wait, but I mean, like, <laughs> you graduate when you're 22? Let's see. From my undergrad, I was 21. So you were probably in a different place then, right? Where you nailed these uh, things to the wall the first time. Oh, very, very many places ago, yes. <laughs> I'm not probably sure why this is a relevant six places detail. places ago. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> in, so in which place did you live? Did you have them positioned the highest? Oh, Good question. <laughs> I guess. Uh, <laughs> hmm. Maybe my last place. It's. I think it's a tie with my current house. All right. Does it matter? <laughs> it doesn't at all. Cool. Just a little word of warning. My show is very stupid. I like that. Okay. So you graduate. You got this diploma. You've nailed it to six different walls. Mm-hmm. And then your trajectory now is okay. Well, what what's your first sort of gig? Did you actually meet people, or was it just like through friends? Did you have like filmmaker friends or things, or did you actually like go out and and try and uh, what, what do they call it when you just go out and like meet networking? Networking. Yes. Oh my gosh. Okay. Networking. I will tell this to anyone who wants to make a music career. Networking is your best friend. It is what will get you the farthest and get you gigs. Uh, when those gigs happen, you never know, and they might be shit, but. <laughs> <laughs> they will come. Yeah, so bright, starry-eyed, 21-year-old me thought that I could just be a composer and that was going to happen. And I started out doing the right thing, which was networking as much as humanly possible. And stuff didn't really happen for me for a long time. There were four years after my undergrad where I was doing odd jobs and doing music on the side, just random things, you know, writing, I don't know, producing little orchestral tracks for like the local colleges theater programs stuff like that um i met some filmmakers online did a few little dinky indie scores and just tried to do everything i possibly could to make this a full-time thing and it's taken a decade to get where i am today where i am drowning in Mm. (laughs) in work which is a very good problem to have so yeah i've i mean i've tried my hand at so many different things I've tried the music licensing route. I've tried doing trailer music. I still do a lot of trailer music. Obviously, video games, that's been the breadwinner for me so far and the most fun. So, win-win. And indie films. And then, clearly, doing hired session vocals for everyone and their mother. (laughs) When you first started doing this, did you think that you would be doing vocal stuff or did you full-on go into this going like I'm going to be just a composer and do like instrumental music and stuff or was vocals always going to be part of it? Uh, It's funny. I've kind of come full circle. Voice was kind of my first instrument when I was super little and I started taking piano and voice when I was about eight years old, pretty much all the way through college. And for some reason, I kind of... Once I got out of school and I wasn't doing voice lessons or choirs anymore, I was really focused on instrumental music. And I don't know, like, I just sort of forgot that I could 
sing for other people? It's a really weird thing to say out loud, but (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I was really focused on film scoring and orchestration and, you know, doing the best I possibly could with instrumental stuff. And I just sort of forgot. So it wasn't, I don't know exactly what gave me the epiphany that I should be promoting myself as a vocalist too for other people. I guess I figured that people wouldn't really hire vocalists. I know that sounds super dumb, but (laughs) (laughs) I was ready, you know, and I I sung for my own stuff when I was just doing demos for my own work back then. But I just, one day I was like, why the hell am I not offering this as a service? I'm pimping out my other music skills. Why aren't I doing this? So yeah, it, it came full circle. And then it turned out to be one of my biggest selling points, I guess. In terms of projects you were working on? Was there a particular project that was like the one that from that point on sort of kickstarted the momentum? Yeah, I can split that kind of into two categories. As soon as I started offering vocals for people, that took off. People wanted to hire me and that was awesome. In 2019 alone, I counted. I did vocals and co-wrote and recorded for 32 different producers, (laughs) which is absolutely insane. (laughs) And then for, you know, a hired gig or hired project that I got, the game River City Girls really was the one that was pretty much my biggest project in terms of scope at the time, as well as had the biggest reach. Thousands and thousands of people heard that score or heard that soundtrack, downloaded it. The vinyl soundtrack for that game sold out of 2,000 copies in 90 seconds. Nice. That's how crazy that was. I didn't see a penny of the <laughs> of the vinyl of the vinyl sales, but you know that's kind of a cool cool bragging, right? <laughs> okay, I mean, I guess that makes sense. Yeah, I know some people who like when they deal with like indie game developers, well, they'll just have that deal where it's sort of like, ah, you can sell the soundtrack if you want. It's just sort of like an afterthought from the developers. But in this case, this was something where like mm-hmm. they commissioned the music and they own the music, kind of thing. Yeah, so I was actually really lucky to work with them. They're a super super legit studio. They've been around for a while. And the way they did it is kind of like you said, it was a work for hire. So they, you know, they custom commissioned this gigantic soundtrack. It was, what did I do? I did 60 pieces of music for that game and they own everything outright, you know, so they can do whatever they want with it. It's a, you know, legal buffer on their part, which is totally fine. And they were super nice enough to actually let me have the majority of digital soundtrack sales. They, they basically split it right down the middle. They said, we get physical, so you don't get anything for, you know, the, the Switch games or anything that's going off the shelf or the physical album because they did CDs and vinyl. But, you know, Megan, you can have 85% of all digital. So that includes, you know, iTunes, Spotify, that kind of thing. That's cool. Yeah. So they were they were super nice in letting me have that. And that game's on Game Pass. It is. Recently, they, they brought it. <laughs> yeah, they brought it to Xbox and that was... Uh, that was cool because it was like a resurgence. People were new. People were finding me because of that. Yeah, I played the first level. Woohoo! So there's some. <laughs> I, I thought maybe I'd try and play with my daughter, but she's a, a little too young. Because mm-hmm. I every I'm always looking for games where I'm like, oh, this one's kind of like a side scroller. You know, we could probably do that, but uh, it's slightly too advanced. Mm-hmm. It's hard. I've only played. It's. I shouldn't say this out loud, but <laughs> I have only played about an hour of the game, even though. 
I mean, it was <laughs> good. Like, I, I like, uh, thing. yeah, like I like brawlers. Like, uh, it's always fun when when companies go back and make games like that. And uh, maybe one of these days I'll return to it. I'm playing Mass Effect again right now, so I gotta. Oh, very cool. I gotta do all that first. And Game Pass, there's like there's so many games on that list. I know. I can't keep up. I have a game list that just keeps growing faster than I can tackle them. That's what this year was supposed to be about, right? It's just like, <laughs> well, if we're all inside, let's fucking uh, tackle things on the to-do list. And then a lot of us just ended up sitting around. I wrote an album. Well, there you go. See? That's nice. I like to hear stories of people who've actually used this time to do something creative. And I also like to listen to cool music. So how about we check out... Uh, shit, let's play some tracks from uh, Hostile Takeover. You did this album in, uh, yeah. in 2019. This was sort of a, an instrumental, cyberpunky kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. It's actually a game score for a game that has not released yet, believe Ooh. it or not. So, I don't know what to do here, because they're sort of short tracks, so I thought maybe I'd just play two back-to-back. Yeah, that works. My favorite tracks from it was uh, one called Hideout, which was followed by one called Paragon Robotics. Good choices. And these are cool choices, so we're just going to listen to both of them, and then we'll come back and chat.
right, and that was Hideout and the track Paragon Robotics by Megan McDuffie from the Hostile Takeover album. Uh, we played two tracks in a row there, so hopefully that doesn't confuse the listeners because I don't normally do that. Anyways, I'm here with Megan right now talking about scoring video games and that sort of thing. So I guess when you're doing a, a game score like uh, River City Girls, you don't have to transpose any saxophone or trumpet? <laughs> Luckily not. It comes with its own challenges, though, because for the orchestral stuff, sometimes it's nice to hand off the mixing and the mastering to somebody else. But uh, for River City Girls and 99% of my work, I am doing all of the production and mixing uh, myself. So who are some of your favorite composers? Hmm, good question. I get asked this one a lot, and it keeps oh, changing. Oh, then it's a bad question. No, it's, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good. I listen, like it. man. Listen, I only ask original questions here. Like, how high up on your wall do you fucking nail? Your That's fucking true. Diploma? That was. I can safely say. <laughs> I can safely say no one has ever asked me that before. Mm, and they never will again. <laughs> All right, fine. Who's your favorite composer? Well, it used to be John Williams. And I still love John Williams, but oh God, it's so hard because I listen to so many different things. I'm a big fan of Trevor Jones. He did things like Last of the Mohicans and Labyrinth, and I believe he also did Dark Crystal. If I'm wrong, I apologize, but I'm pretty sure he did. There's sort of a lot of crossover here. So Tangerine Dream is also one of my favorites of all time. They ride that line between film composer and prolific band, so... Go them. <laughs> yeah, no, they're a good time. I'm grading you right now. I'm just not telling you what I, the score is until you're done. I have no idea what your your metric is or well, your basis for comparison. Awesome. <laughs> no, these are all these are all uh, these are all good stuff. Okay, um, <laughs> so I'll take your word for it. <laughs> as far as bands that have influenced me that I absolutely love. Uh, Depeche Mode, for sure. They're incredible. I'm a big fan of Beck because he is always himself, but he always sounds different, which is really hard to do. And a huge fan of 90s trip hop like The Sneaker Pimps or Massive Attack. I have a lot of influences from that era. Oh, and I should bring it up to date. The Sneaker Pimps frontman and guitarist has his own project called IMX. It's a very awesome, dark electro. Oh my God, he's so good. <laughs> and Infected Mushroom, the guys from Israel, are a couple of my favorite dudes. Their production is so good. But anyway, I could go on and on, but that's a nice round set for you. Infected Mushroom. There's some band names that I, I hear them, I'm like, it's an, like an off-putting name. <laughs> Even if I like the music... You know what I mean? Like, if you just find out someone's just like, we're the garbage sluts or something, you know, and it's like, why'd you got to call yourself that? You know, like... Cannibal corpse. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot worse. I've been going through this list of, like, the billboard charts, mm -hmm. and uh, there are some, like, just horrible band names where it's oh, just like... Oh, yeah, I'm sure. I get it. Like, if it's the stupid, like, crust punk genre and these assholes who, like, their whole thing is just like, we're just fucking filthy, and they just have these mm -hmm. horrible names, and yep. it's upsetting. <laughs> However, they are standing out, which is probably the entire point. So they are doing a good job. I mean, look, the bottom line is it's the music that matters. I would like to think that as well. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I feel like image turns out to be what people glomp onto and not necessarily talent. Glomp? Yes, I just said glomp. Is that a word? 
I, I may have dated myself using that one. I feel like it was popular in uh, internet culture in the mid 2000s. <laughs> glomp. I don't think I've ever heard glomp. Maybe I'm dating myself now. It makes me like the old man who's like, I was too old for glomp. <laughs> Maybe it was a fringe culture thing I picked up. Who knows? If, if I type in glomp, am I going to see things I don't want to see? I hope not. <laughs> I can't say I've ever Googled it. So do so at your own risk. <laughs> when I was young, I used to really like Danny Elfman. Oh my God, how could I forget? Boingo Boingo and Duran Duran are at the top of my list as well. Because I also really liked Tim Burton up to a point. Mm-hmm. And so like when I was in high school era, I, I would say like, oh, Tim Burton's like my favorite director because up until that point, like the last thing he did was... Uh, like Sleepy Hollow, and then like from that point on, the movies kind of aren't that great anymore. I'm 100% with you. But Danny Elfman still had some cool scores. Mm -hmm. His Planet of the Apes, like the title sequence song is awesome. Like the movie isn't awesome, but like the music is. Yeah. And I think they even, they they use that track for like movie trailers for a while. It was like that fucking, anyway, it was like, it was all like kind of percussive and cool. I'm trying to think if he did another score that I liked for the movie sucked. That can happen for sure. <laughs> There's a group that you might know called Makeup and Vanity Set. Oh, yeah. They did a video game score. People really love the soundtrack to the game, but the game sucked. Or so I've heard. Yeah, that happens quite a bit. Like, especially mm-hmm. when it's like an indie developer. Like, they're like a small team and they're doing like a very modest game. But then like a synthwave producer makes a really awesome score. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that happens quite a bit. Or even indie scores. There's some uh, artists in the synthwave scene that I know have made some really amazing music for mediocre <laughs> productions. Yep. But whatever, like the music's the important thing. I mean, when it comes down to it, yes. That's the moral of the story today. Is it took me like fucking <laughs> nine years of making this podcast to figure out that the music is what matters. For sure. Well, you, you mentioned your game list. What do you still have to play? What are you playing right now? Uh, right now, I'm making my way through Mario Odyssey. That's a good one. Yeah, I've always loved the Mario series. I have a big fat Steam wish list and I wait for things to go on sale, like ridiculously on sale, half mm-hmm. price or more. Um, I really want to play Medium. It's the newest game from a Polish studio who put out uh, Layers of Fear 1 and 2 and Observer. Observer, I highly recommend if anyone wants a really twisted, freaky um, acid trip through a cyberpunk setting. (laughs) Is Medium, is the main character like a lady with white hair? Is she on the cover with white hair and like a white jacket? I think so. It is a a chick protagonist. Um, I don't remember what the cover art looks like. I'm confusing it in my head with Control. Oh, yeah. You know what? That's on my list Which also has a lady on the cover with her hand sticking out. Yes, that's on my list. Control is is up there. Hold on here. Medium. Are you looking it up right now? (laughs) Yeah, so it's a. Uh, she's got white hair and she's holding her hand upwards, but her palm is facing towards her face and she's holding like an energy of mm. some kind, like a white glowing that must energy. Be control. No, that's medium. Oh, it is. Control. She has her hand facing outwards towards the camera, <laughs> <laughs> and she's got red hair. Not confusing so, at all. Yeah. Well, I mean, all game covers are the same. I mean, like, I remember there's this period of time where, like, every single game had just a a guy with futuristic armor with, like, some sort of unique-looking mask of some kind. Yeah. And, you know, like, every video game company has to, like, make their thing stand apart. So it's like, how about the visor is a line that goes down the front of the mask? (laughs) There's that game. And then, like, what if it's a circle and then a line next to it? Okay. And then what if it's a line going sideways, but then there's another line going up? And there's, like, so many different cover arts where that's just what it is. Just here's a cool piece of 
space armor. Like, Let's right. make the gun bigger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to playing uh, Subnautica Below Zero since that just came out of Early Access. Or, um, yeah, Early Access. It's fully out now, and I thoroughly enjoyed the first one. It's one of my favorite games of all time. Isn't that on Game Pass? Maybe. I feel like, or maybe it's just the first one. Mm, yeah, That's just know. a swimming game, isn't it? Oh, clearly you have no I idea. I don't know what it is, to be <laughs> honest with you. <laughs> This is just me guessing. Don't even. (laughs) (laughs) It is one of the best open world games I've ever played. Subnautica? Yes. It's underwater though, right? Yes. You crash land on an alien planet and you have to survive. So it's open world, but it's an underwater open world. There's, well, I don't want to give it away, but it's 90% underwater. Yeah. Ooh, spoilers. Mm Mm-hmm. Now I'm real interested in what happens on that 10%. Just think about the Mariana Trench and how freaky it is and then put it on an alien planet. So does that 10% take place like inside your ship? You find a ship? You you build things <laughs> to survive. I'm just going to say that. <laughs> Let me just say, it's terrifying. If anyone has thalassophobia, you might have a hard time. What's that phobia? I'm assuming underwater? It is the fear of large bodies of water and knowing what's underneath. Isn't the fear that you don't know what's underneath? Oh, yeah. That. <laughs> <laughs> listen, I want to listen to this track. I think we played on the show before. Last time I had uh, Sunglasses Kid on. It was the track that you sang on that also featured Tim Capello mm-hmm. and all the damn vampires. This was a good one. It's called Never Ending Dream. And uh, let's listen to that.
right, and that was Never Ending Dream, a collab between uh, Sunglasses Kid and Megan McDuffie featuring the saxophone of Tim Capello. I think also All the Damn Vampires is technically credited, although I think Tim Capello technically took over his place. It's a very complicated story. It, it doesn't matter. I'm here with Megan McDuffie right now, who Yo. sang on it. <laughs> I did. So that's that. Yes. La la la. <laughs> although I guess when you sang on it, you probably didn't know that Tim Capello was going to be part of it because that was a last minute addition. I definitely did not. That's a fun, nice surprise, eh? You get the thing back and... Oh, yeah. It was... <laughs> he, um... Ed was like, hey, don't tell anyone, but listen to this. <laughs> yeah, that was cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's uh, that's some fun stuff. That's some fun stuff. This is what happens when my brain can't uh, <laughs> come up with a way to segue. <laughs> I'd say that I was going to segue to the next question, but my piece of paper is literally blank in front of me. I just... <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Then you ended up, you did this EP of covers and you're like naked on the front of it. What was that about? That was about... <laughs> what was it about? <laughs> Well, I kind of wanted to test the waters and see if putting out my own work, you know, not for a client or not for some other producer, see how it would go down. And I've always wanted to do covers of those songs. And I have a sexy side, so I was like, let's make these super sticky and and sensual and uh, see how it goes. (laughs) And the uh, the title barely covered. Obviously, it's a cover album and in a very sensual style. So I kind of had to be naked or barely covered, if you will. See, I wanted to do a, whenever I do like the Instagram post where I like uh, say who the guest is. I wanted to do a parody of that, but I realized that <laughs> it would not work. <laughs> I, I've got a belly and I've got hair all over the place. It wouldn't look as. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I guess you I could, could you could do it just I, you know <laughs> just arch your body a little bit and, and cover more with your arms and you'd be good I guess don't you find doing that kind of stuff embarrassing if I did I probably wouldn't have put a naked cover of myself on the internet <laughs> <laughs> well sometimes you do silly things and then it's like let's see what happens you know you just like, kind of throw it out there because were you like doing I remember unless you have like another Instagram now or whatever because I remember before you were doing like pole dancing things but then do you still do that like exercise I do I am in love with pole and exotic dance but I have a separate account for that because some people were not so into seeing that mixed up with my businessy stuff so I separated the two people just are a bunch of prudes yeah I got some serious flack for that album cover and my whole like empowered sexy woman thing I I don't think some people could handle it. <laughs> Wait, like people gave you flack? Yeah, I heard, you know, whispers through the grapevine and people telling me that it was, you know, not classy and I was trying too hard and it was all just for attention, that kind of thing. But those people are just, you know, if they don't like it, they don't like it. Oh, well. Trying too hard. Yeah, like I did that specifically to get clicks and views and that kind of thing. But it's funny because it's sort of like the opposite, especially in like the synthwave scene of uh, the typical synthwave artist who is like a guy who like wears a helmet. <laughs> yes, <laughs> totally. So like, I guess like it's, it's a complete opposite. Like, well, a lady without clothes on, like that's like the opposite of a guy in a helmet. Yes, let's shame her. <laughs> <laughs> well, some people are weirdos, you know, you got to uh, prudes. I call them prudes. <laughs> you know, I sort of see 
where some people are coming from. Well, you don't that, see anything. No, you don't. I mean, it would have been if it, if it was like a full on like full frontal legs open thing. Then I'd be like, all right, like that's a little shocking. But like, <laughs> I would only say that because I'm a prude. It's a body. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> that's how I see it. Yeah, I was like. This is empowering. I'm really into pole dancing, and everyone's gonna jump on my sexy train, and you know, <laughs> we're all gonna feel like body positivity together. But that's not exactly how it went down. Did you have like a photographer for this? Like who who does this stuff? I would feel so bashful. Well, you know, I have. <laughs> that's, yeah, fantastic uh, question. That yeah, my husband took that photo because he is a hobbyist photographer and he has an awesome camera. And he knows how to light things. Well, I mean, like, because the picture looks nice. I guess it's a good thing you're not bashful in front of your husband. That would be a problem. Yeah, that might be an issue. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I would hope people would be comfortable in front of their spouses. Well, unless you're like, I don't know, what's the word of those people that, like, wear the sheet? With, like, the hole in it for the sex? We don't have to talk about this. Oh, my. (laughs) This devolved real quick. (laughs) I don't care. I just think of um, Arrested Development, the character of Tobias, who can never take off his denim shorts. He's a never nude. Yeah. (laughs) So your husband does, like, photography stuff? Does he do uh, touch-ups and things? Yes. Yeah, he's kind of a Photoshop whiz. Well, that's cool. It's always handy to know one of them. Super handy. He actually went to uh, college for film production, so he's got a film degree, which has also come in handy a little bit. No, this has nothing to do with him now, but weren't you also in... Didn't they do this little short, like, cyberpunk film a few years ago? I swear, didn't they shoot it in, like... Canada. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I get so inundated with all the stuff from the scene. Like, I always have, like, oh, yeah, for five sure. days worth of music to still listen to, and I forget what goes <laughs> on. So this is, like, a vague memory of, like, wasn't there, like, some short film thing, and weren't you in it? Yes. Yes. Um, My buddy, Moonrunner83, a.k.a. Chad, who lives in Calgary. Yeah, we shot... That was not my husband who shot it, by the way. Yeah, yeah. That's right. I, I flew up there because the Canadian government was awesome, and they actually give grants to artists sometimes, mm. unlike the States. And we got a grant, and we shot an epic thing, and it was one of the best weeks of my life. My character didn't speak much. I was sort of the silent badass. <laughs> My character, Siren, oh man, the story's a little convoluted and we had to squash as much as we could into 12 minutes. But there's a piece of tech that this bad guy wanted to control the AI who kind of ran this derelict city and we were hired to get it back from him. So we had like this hit on him. We had to follow his goons to a strip club. Yeah. Sorry, go on. (laughs) To give (laughs) one of the security guards a lap dance to pacify him, pacify him. I was trying to say placate and pacify at the same time. (laughs) Pacify to shoot him in the head distract him so that I could we could get into the locked back room where this bad guy was having his little meeting big shootout yeah and then there's like kind of a cut between different timelines of me waking up after being drugged and taking a DeLorean and crashing through this barrier in the city it's it's cool you guys should just go watch it it it'll explain itself <laughs> what's it what's it called it's called streets streets the short film on YouTube? Yeah, it's on YouTube on your retro wave. Well, there you go. Yeah. Go watch. Now I'm just yelling at my audience now. Go do it. Go do it. <laughs> and then uh, and then you've also like done some uh, collabs with Moonrunner, right? I have. I've done, let's see. We did the Streets EP. We did Hearts on Fire. And we did 
His latest, You and Me at the Edge of the World. I only did a few on that, but Streets and the one I just mentioned. Sorry, it's the end of the day for me. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. just like, <laughs> <laughs> brain is mush. Well, how about this? Let's actually listen to that one because I've always really dug uh, that track, Streets. I like he's got this sort of like Terminator-y sound in there. I don't know what you call that fucking like... Yeah, everyone loves that that bass synth. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. Uh, but yeah, let's listen to this. This is uh, Moonrunner83 and Megan McDuffie with the track Streets. Thank you. 
Right, and that was Streets by Moonrunner83 and Megan McDuffie. And I'm here right now with Megan McDuffie talking about making short films and taking lewd photos. <laughs> lewd. I guess you can't really call that lewd. I think when something's lewd, it has to be, you got to see stuff. Yeah, I think so. That's not a lewd photo. That's like a artistic gallery print. You should just print those off and just hand them out to people. I sell them. That's true, actually. I've sold a couple, little ones. (laughs) Do you sign them? No. They ship elsewhere. Like, I don't have them physically with me. They're fulfilled by a third party. (laughs) Okay. What's been going on? You just put out an album, right? I did. I spent over 250 hours and over a year producing, recording, writing, mixing, singing, etc. Do you time yourself? I do. I run a business, so I actually log in all of my hours on different things so that when I do a future project, I can have a more accurate time quote for people. Hmm, that's a really good idea. Yeah. <laughs> it <laughs> I still certainly don't, is. <laughs> I'm super disorganized. I just sort of work when I can and uh, I have no idea how long anything takes or, or what my time is worth. <laughs> Whatever works for you. Christ, I wish I was organized. Every day, it's one of those things that I'm just like, why can't I be organized? I'm so envious of people where they like, out you know the little notepad and i've watched all these videos where people like here's the way that i organize and like we have a little cute page on here which is our index you know and those are the mm-hmm. people with their fucking little organizing books and i'm like that sounds like a good idea and i'll i'll go buy a book and i'll write my <laughs> index and then i will never touch that book again <laughs> yep once you set it up it's hard not to do that you have your little studio set up i guess in your house i do or your office so do you actually just like, well, it's 8.30, I guess I'll just sit in my chair. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I get up around 8 a.m., I have breakfast, do my shower, whatever, come in by 9 to my office studio and get to work. What do you have for breakfast? Uh, it rotates. <laughs> sometimes it's eggs and toast, sometimes it's oatmeal, sometimes it's cereal. I hear that oatmeal is like... The best thing you can have. I have oatmeal a lot. Yeah, some article just told me. You know when you like sign into the web and like <laughs> there'll be like this page of news articles <laughs> mm-hmm. from these stupid websites that are yep. just like what not to eat. <laughs> what do I get today? This couple tried HelloFresh. Here's how much better life got. Well, that's sponsored. <laughs> then, then underneath it, five reasons why you might want to try Chef's Plate, which is the fucking uh, competition of HelloFresh. I've heard those those meal subscription boxes are really handy. A lazy person's guide to happiness. The best way to barbecue according to science. More food. <laughs> <laughs> to fix America's infrastructure, start here. It's a twelve step program. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, we did we did some of those uh, food box things. Yeah, how'd it go? Well, when I cook, I basically have like the same like five meals. And so the nice thing about the food box is it does get you thinking about cooking things I never thought to do totally. or to do things with ingredients I wouldn't think to do because I'm just sort of, I just make the same stuff all the time. Yes. And so it was nice. So I learned some techniques of like, oh, like this is another way to make a cream sauce or like, oh, if you put the chicken in the oven at this temperature and sprinkle these things on and, Mm -hmm. you know, and uh, you can cook corn this way or something like so. Yeah. Like the one thing I don't do when I really make dinners is I never have like a supplementary like sauce. Mm. It seems like a sauce sort of brings any kind of meal together. Yeah, it elevates it. 
Yeah, and I never, I don't do that, right? So, like, it was only once we were making HelloFresh stuff, like, every meal would always be like, oh, you know, you're frying up some corn and the thing, and then there's a piece of chicken and some spaghetti or something, and then you take mayonnaise and sour cream with some dill and whip it up in a little bowl, and it's like, (laughs) oh, and, like, every meal sort of had this sour cream mayonnaise dill thing that they would add (laughs) afterwards, and I'm like, oh, I get it. And, of course, it tasted great when you sprinkle that sauce on. Oh, definitely. Yeah, we've gotten into a habit of... We tried a new recipe that has like a creamy chipotle kind of sauce. So now we just put that on everything. It's like once you learn it, you can apply it many places. Mm -hmm. The only thing is I think they sort of overestimate people's culinary skills because (laughs) it would always say like this will take 30 minutes to do. And I'd be like in the fucking kitchen for like two hours. Like, oh, yeah. Because it's always like you got to have like three pots going and the thing mm-hmm. in the oven and stuff. And yeah, it's, it's like a little dance. Yeah. Like 30 minutes, my ass. Like <laughs> they all turned out fine. That's good. Yeah. It's an adventure. <laughs> does your husband work from home too? He does. You guys don't share an office, do you? No, thank goodness. Oh, my gosh. Mm. Yeah. It's been really good actually since we moved to our new place and actually bought a home, we have our own offices now. Whereas the poor guy was working in the living room for the past mm, year and a half since COVID. Mm, That's what I do. (laughs) So he has his own office and he's stoked. Well, that's exciting. I'm always happy. I I have to live vicariously through other people because I don't have an office. Oh, bummer. We just have one big room where both of my children are doing homeschooling. My desk is just at the end of that, and I have a spaceship set that I sit in. Mm-hmm. I'm empathetic towards other people's emotions who are around me. Yeah. So, you know, if someone is frustrated, then I become frustrated. Yeah. And there's no wall that separates me from the frustration. So, like, and it sounds so stupid, but I've just been watching YouTube videos about people who build isolation booths, like, cheaply. And it's like, well, if you just take some PVC pipe and just make this big <laughs> fucking rectangle and just throw moving blankets over it. And I'm sitting there going, man, that'd be pretty sweet. Yeah. <laughs> that's the, that's I mean, the sad hey, state of my life. Anything for more peace of mind and focus. I'm literally watching someone make a box and throw a moving blanket over it thinking like that looks good. <laughs> it's like, oh, no. Oh, <laughs> is this going to patch my life? <laughs> yeah, I would love an office. It would make me so happy. It doesn't even have to be that big. It can be it can be fucking four by four for all I care. <laughs> like just as long as it's like if there's a door I can close. Yeah. Oh, I feel for you. <laughs> yeah, that's the toughest thing. But I'm glad you have an office. That's nice. Yes, I'm super, super glad. I, I mean, kind of had to have an office since my full time job is recording things and mm. creating music. So it wouldn't have worked if both my husband and I were trying to do that. Or, you know, he was trying to do his work and I was trying to do my work in the same space. No way. <laughs> you putting like foam everywhere? Dude, I am a million steps above foam. <laughs> oh, what, what do you like? You custom the whole room so that it's yep. all the echo. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Finally bought a house and I was like, I am pimping this room out. So what is beyond foam? Beyond foam are custom acoustic panels that are handmade to order. Oh, so you're not doing <laughs> egg cartons everywhere? <laughs> no egg crate foam for me, baby. Mm, I see. And the best part is that it's a business write-off. <laughs> Maybe I should write something off. The cost of doing business. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how to do business. So <laughs> that's that's phase one problem for me. That's something I've had to learn. I was not born with that. Well, it's because it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> business sucks. I wish I could just team up with someone who just knew business. Yeah. And was just like, Andy, here's what you do. You just keep doing what you do, and I'll do the business. Oh, my gosh. 
tell me about it. I sometimes get so tired from wearing so many hats. Well, it hurts your neck, right? <laughs> You're wearing a lot of hats, so it weighs your head down. Yeah, my head is um, <laughs> between my legs at this point. Yeah. <laughs> and that is something that you would post on the other Instagram. Right. Okay. I can do that as well, just not, you know, publicly. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Yeah, I, I get tired from uh, from doing so many things because artists are expected to also be social media geniuses and content creators now, too, to remain relevant and uh, know how to market and brand and produce quality video content or Photoshop. The list goes on and on. How to, how to write contracts <laughs> that are legally sound <laughs> everything yeah i know it sucks i only po- i post my instagram like once a week and i usually forget and like i don't even really engage on twitter anymore yeah facebook's a fucking joke oh god don't i hate facebook <laughs> well it's a stupid place but also it's like it's weird like I, i'm not like it's not like i have like the huge audience but on facebook like i have something like five or six thousand whatevers and no one sees anything i post anymore yep same here they would see more if I literally just had like two. Like, you know what I mean? Like, right. I almost just want to delete everybody who likes the page and then just <laughs> see if that gets me more engagement. Yeah, I know what you mean. It definitely tanked for me. I have I keep posting there, hoping that something will change. But at this point, I'm definitely not focusing on Facebook because, yeah, like you, I have, you know, about 6,000 whatever fans or followers, what have you. And I get like two comments on a post. It's like, what, what's the point? Yeah. Nowadays, yeah. Whenever I do a post, it literally is just like, this reached like three people. I'm mm-hmm. like, what? Then what? Fuck you. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> reached three people. It's so dumb. If every week I just focused, which I would never do because I hate when people spam me, but like, you know, <laughs> just pick 15 people from my friends list and just send them the link. Right. Just, <laughs> that would do more for yeah. the engagement than oh, actually yeah. posting on the page. 100% direct outreach is the way to go if you have the time and... You have months and months to actually develop relationships with people <laughs> so that your post or your uh, your message coming out of the blue would not look weird and spammy. <laughs> yeah, I get a lot of those weird ones. Listen to my music. I've never heard from you before. Yeah, I get a lot of that. I actually deleted everybody. Uh, that was a fun thing. I did like a huge Ooh. purge because there was a point where I, I just I would friend everybody who sent me a request. Yep. And so I had like 2,500 whatevers. And then uh, I was like, you know what? Fuck this. I just unfriended all of them. It's like anytime I didn't like recognize somebody immediately, which meant I, I sort of made a few mistakes and unfriended some people who were like, Did you unfriend me? I'm like, oops. <laughs> um, hey, let's listen to a track from your new album, Inner Demons. Is that cool with you? <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry. I thought you were going to. Sorry. Thought that That's was okay. the. Uh, <laughs> thought that was the. I'm playing a track now. <laughs> I am. Well, I am going to play a track now. We're going to play 13th Hour. Sweet. So uh, let's listen to this. This is 13th Hour by Megan McDuffie.
All right, and that was Megan McDuffie with the track 13th Hour from the album Inner Demons. Uh, talk to me about this. About the track or the album? Uh, both. We got time. All right. Well, this was my quarantine project. <laughs> like I said before, I've been producing for other people for a decade, but this was my debut release, full vocal release as a recording artist just for the sake of art and just kind of did whatever came to me. And the album turned into basically an exploration of my inner thoughts and struggles and desires. Mm. And um, some were also a little more outward facing, so people could relate to them on a larger level than just hearing about what I'm going through. You know what I mean? So there's a lot of songs of like, I'm getting sick of my husband. I'm going (laughs) to punch him in the head. We're just inside the house together and we don't go outside. (sighs) Ah. Not so on the nose. <laughs> <laughs> Just added some more poetic language, but it was still the... Yeah, my uh, my vocab is all over this album. <laughs> you're probably doing okay if you guys got separate offices. That's the key. It's like if, if you're living in the same room... Oh, for sure. Then there'd be a lot of songs about strangling your husband. Yeah, oh, we did we did fine. And the way this album happened, in, in the sense that I actually got it done and worked on it, was that I set aside every Friday, every week to work on album stuff only. So I ignored my clients. I only did, you know, four work days a week for client work and I scheduled myself as a client basically for Fridays so that I could get it done. I like how organized you are. This is fun. (laughs) I didn't used to be as organized. I was very overwhelmed by things. And uh, yeah, I kind of just had to learn that actually doing the organizing would help me in the long run and ease my stress. Well, also too, like being busy helps in a weird way to stay organized because you have to. That's true. I would agree with that. Yeah, if you don't have the things that you're supposed to do written down, you can't check them off and be very satisfied. Yeah. <laughs> the key is to break them up into like a hundred smaller tasks so that you, you feel like, hey, I did lift my hand up and grab the pen. Right. Okay, check. <laughs> I did turn my computer on. <laughs> Look right, at me. exactly. Yeah, for sure. That's all productive. Have you done any things where you like collab with your husband's? projects? The only overlap really is me roping him into playing guitar for me or shooting a nude photo (laughs) or, uh, (laughs) you know, filming a music video in our kitchen and just having cables and lights everywhere. Well, like, what what does he do? He is a software developer for a very cool photography company. They, like, basically host photo storage for people, and they also have web stores for photographers. So, say, a professional model photographer, you know, wants to sell prints of a certain shoot that they do, then people would go to their Smug Mug store and purchase prints. And, yeah, the company is called Smug Mug, and they just recently acquired Flickr, which most people have heard of. Well, that's fun. Yeah. I guess. Is that fun? It sounds like it's like he's looking at spreadsheets all day. <laughs> he's looking, he looking at, at code all day. All day. He, oh, every code. time I walk by the office, it looks like he's hacking. You ever go to that website that just looks like you're hacking when you just like type random things in and like... <laughs> I have seen that, yeah. Yeah, that's... <laughs> Except he actually is doing things. Oh. <laughs> uh. <laughs> That's not as fun. <laughs> it's more fun to pretend you're in the Matrix. It is a really cool company. When we lived uh, near the company before we moved up to Seattle, the office itself was super cool. They really take care of people. Like, there's beer on tap. There's endless 
coffee and tea. There's actually, they had a private chef that would cook everyone in the office lunch every day. What? Unlimited vacation, dog friendly, you name it. I work for a company like that. Fuck this podcast. Right? Go to a place that's going (laughs) to give me beer and there's a chef. Right? I don't yeah. even care if the chef cooks. I just want someone to talk to. They're they're an awesome company. Well, that's cool. Yeah. So that's that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you have a bunch of beer on tap at your office? Not on tap. Mm. We have to go buy it. <laughs> I haven't had a drink since last summer. Wow, you beat me. I hadn't had a drink since New Year's Eve. Any particular reason or just uh Uh yeah, I am sort of allergic to alcohol. Like beer or alcohol in general? Alcohol in general. Though, things that are more fermented like beer and wine tend to be worse for me. Okay, so this is like an this isn't you being funny like I'm allergic cuz I get wasted, like it's like an actual No, it's it's an actual thing. I I get sort of itchy, rashy breakout type symptoms because of alcohol? Yeah. That's interesting. It like, is. I've, I actually found I don't I don't have like gluten sensitivity or whatever, but it took me like two decades to figure out that beer isn't doesn't work for me. Mm-hmm. I have friends with gluten allergies who like they didn't realize like oh why is it every time I drink beer like yep. my stomach gets all fucked up or whatever. Totally. For me, it was like I can only have like three beers only, and then I will be sick. Like the alcohol doesn't match the right. Doesn't match the intake, yeah. Yeah, like, I mean, I get, like, I'm not, like, a super lush, so I don't have, like, a huge alcohol tolerance or whatever, but it's, like, if I drink the equivalent in shots, like, if you gave me, like, mm-hmm. rye and gingers or whatever, I could drink a whole bunch of those and not end up, like, throwing up at the end of the night, but I could gotcha. have, like, three beers, and if I drank them too fast, and so my whole life, adult life, I just thought, oh, like, I just don't have a high alcohol tolerance because I only drank beer. right. And then I switched over to uh, just like mixed drinks and stuff. I'm like, oh. <laughs> oh, this is different. Yeah, I'd like fall asleep and be like, oh, wow, <laughs> like that, that was nice. I don't wake up at like two in the morning like, do I have to throw up? Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> Which yeah. is always the answer to that question. Anytime that thought enters your head. Oh, definitely. You know, when you're laying down, yep. you're like, oh, do I have to get sick? It's like, yes, the answer is yes. Yes, it's <laughs> always yes. And you will always feel better. <laughs> Guaranteed. So that sucks. So what happens if um, rubbing alcohol? (laughs) Not that I've consumed that. No, but if you get like a sticker on you or something, you get like rubbing alcohol to like get rid of it, like will that make you break out? Nope. It's only if I ingest it and my liver processes it, which is super interesting. interesting. Yeah, so it's it's not just alcohol. It's anything with a really high histamine content. Histamine. Yeah, which is something that your body naturally produces as an allergic response to things. So if you're like allergic to cat hair or something, your body yeah. produces a lot of histamines Histamine. and some foods just naturally have more than others or kind of release histamine in your body. Some foods do that. So things like black tea and coffee, they don't necessarily contain a lot of histamine, but they will make the histamines that are currently in your body release. It's a really weird little thing, but <laughs> it's it took so me weird. a long time to figure out what was wrong with me. You know when there's a word you've heard a billion times in your life? Yep. So histamine is one of those mm-hmm. where just like all the commercials I've seen over the course of my entire life, it's an antihistamine, antihistamine, and I've never once considered, what the fuck is a histamine? <laughs> like this is the first time I'm being um, confronted with this. Yeah, <laughs> it's, like, it's a real thing. <laughs> Yeah, has to do with allergic response. Did you have to consume a bunch 
Like, I mean, I'm assuming you drank from, like, high school onward. So, like, at what point was it, like, every time you would have a drink, you would have, like, a rash? Or was it only, like, certain times, and then you were trying to figure out what was going on? Yeah, so it's really it was really hard to figure out because... It's sort of a cumulative effect. The more mm. alcohol or food that I consume with high histamine content, think of it like a bucket. Baseline, the bucket's empty, but as you're adding more histamines to it, it's filling up and eventually it overflows. And when it overflowed is when I would break out in rashy, you know, right. rashy breakouts. So it took me a while to figure out and <laughs> it sucks because it's always delayed because the bucket has to fill up and overflow for me to know that something's wrong. Right. So I basically, a couple years ago, I went on a complete like cold turkey elimination diet. I was basically only eating dark greens, you know, most vegetables, no gluten, no sugar, no alcohol, no coffee, no caffeine actually of any kind and no, what was that other thing? No dairy. So just meat, vegetables and fruit. That's it. Right. And my skin was perfect. Like, I've never seen my skin so good. And then I would slowly add things back in and see, you know, add them back in for a month or so and see if I was triggered. Right. And I eventually figured out what triggers me. So I just have to avoid those things or pay the consequences in about a month. <laughs> oh, man. So then you just had like a checklist going? Mm-hmm. That's fine. It's like you're doing like a science experiment with yourself. Yes. It was a very long, annoying <laughs> science experiment. <laughs> Well, I'm trying to segue to the track, You're Not Alone. Mm. Is there a way we can segue from what we just said? Well, you know what, Megan McDuffie, you're not alone. Speaking of which, <laughs> let's listen to this track, You're Not Alone, from the album Inner Demons. Is this about histamines? <laughs> no, but if that applies to you, listener, please go with that. All right, well, let's do it. This is uh, You're Not Alone by Megan McDuffie. Something that's real 
All right, and that was Megan McDuffie with the track You're Not Alone. And I'm here right now with Megan McDuffie talking about histamines. <laughs> but yeah, we can... Uh... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> this is the fun... You know, this is what happens when you don't write down questions. Because if, uh, if you end up talking to people when you have a list of questions and you get all this like, what's your favorite instrument and stuff? But then you mm-hmm. never get onto the histamines, man. I wouldn't have learned anything today. Yeah, the... The lewd photos and the histamines <laughs> and the diplomas on the wall. Yeah, well, that's uh, that's all important stuff. Does your husband have his diploma on his wall? I believe he does. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, heck, we worked hard. <laughs> we worked hard for those diplomas. Better stick them on the wall. Why not? Yeah. I mean, I guess, oh, what am I laughing at? Like, I do have my college diploma, but it's at my childhood home, so I don't really see it on a regular basis. Uh, I also okay. don't really care about that diploma, so... <laughs> It's there. I worked my butt off for both of them, so I'm going to, you know, wear them as a badge of honor on my wall. Yeah. Well, it's good to be proud of what you do. For sure. It's been a long road. (laughs) Anyway, look, well, we can probably wind this thing down. Is there something we didn't talk about that you want to talk about? Hmm. I'm sure there's a lot of stuff you didn't want to talk about that we talked about. (laughs) Not a lot. I mean, you were a perfect gentleman, even talking about the nude, nudie photo. Well, because I'm no prude. No prude for the nude. Yeah, man. Well, I don't know. People are weird. People are weird. I agree. There's like this weird subset of of guy that I can't quite put my finger on what their deal is, where they like, they, they act like they're all like cool, but then they'll get upset when they see like a lady doing, and I, I don't know if it's like, is it some weird like protective thing or are they just an asshole? Like, <laughs> it's hard to really put my head like in their headspace because I bet you those same people, like if you're getting messages from guys like, hey man, this isn't cool and whatever. And then that guy is going to immediately go look at porn and jerk off. Right. And so it's like, what is this persona you're putting on? Like you're some like classy person. Like, I can't hide my thing. Like I'm a perv. I'm a dude. I mean, like, I'm not going to sit here and pretend I'm not. I'm a perv and I'm not a dude. We're yeah. everywhere. <laughs> No, but the point is, I feel like there's this thing that guys do, and I can't quite figure out what it is. It's like, why Why would you um, scold a lady for... I don't, I, I don't know the mentality, so I can't even really put it into words, because I don't, I don't quite get where it's coming from. Yeah, I don't know either. Unless it's that thing where, like, dudes... When they they have like the, like it's all online and so maybe they don't know many ladies and if they think uh, I don't know I'm trying to I'm trying to word this in a nice way <laughs> you know where people kind of think like she's my online girlfriend or something you know what I mean and then they get like upset or jealous when they realize like that girl is in a relationship or has no interest in them and then it's yes. like a weird scenario that happens for sure but uh, is there a word for that mm. histamine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry. That must be it. <laughs> I yeah, I don't know. You can make one up and start a trend. I'm sure there is a word for it. To be honest with you, probably. I've never been on the internet, so I don't know. Never, not once. Me either. <laughs> I'll go do some searching. Is that what people do on the internet? I guess. Because I, I wouldn't know. Well, I can look stuff up right now. What was it? Fucking gloop. What was that word? Oh. Gloob. <laughs> Glomp. Glomp. <laughs> Gloob. (laughs) All right, hold on. I'm going to type in gloob and see what I get. Careful. All right. (laughs) Safe search off. Turn it to 11. Mundo Gloob. Canis Globo is a pay television service in Brazil. Okay. The more you know. Sometimes when I type in stuff, I'm just always secretly hoping when you turn safe search off that you just get a picture of boobs no matter what you did. Yeah. Which actually really does happen most of the time. If safe search it, is off, yeah, totally. it doesn't matter what words you type in. Oh, I know. <laughs> like there, If you scroll to the very bottom, at some point there will be a boobs. Mm-hmm. For sure. <laughs> a boobs. <laughs> 
Oh, no. <laughs> oh, yeah. You asked me if we had covered everything. Yeah. Did we cover everything? I think so. Perfect. <laughs> Goodbye. Except that people should... <laughs> All right. Bye. <laughs> no, what? You, you, you have a closing that, uh, remark. Yeah. People, go listen to my new album. It's uh, not synthwave per se. I get a lot of people that are like, your new synthwave album. And I'm like, it's not. But... I'm glad you're enjoying it. But anyway, everyone go listen to Inner Demons. I'm doing a vinyl campaign because y'all are always bugging me for vinyl. So make it happen, peeps. It's on Bandcamp. Nice. Yeah. A vinyl campaign. Yeah. What does that mean? You just have to get a bunch of like signatures, like a petition, and then if you get enough, you can make a vinyl? Basically, except it's people that want vinyl, pay for them, and if I get enough, Bandcamp will manufacture and ship them all for me. Ah. I didn't know Bandcamp did that. Yeah, it's like a, it's a new thing. It's invite only. I don't know what the criteria is, but I got access to it somehow and thought I'd try it out for my debut Electropop release. Mm. So far, it's it's going pretty well. I am about 60% funded last time I looked. It's got two weeks left. So okay. if you want a vinyl, make it happen. Well, if you're listening to this now, uh, hopefully that happened. Because this, this is going to air like in like 10 months. So like hopefully there's a people uh, got the vinyl. Hopefully. I want to be able to report back a success story here. I'm going to have to edit all this out. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Yeah. Well, listen, it was uh, it was nice chatting with you. People should go check out the music of Megan McDuffie. It was nice chatting with you, too. And uh, and I hope uh, you have a lovely. Where the hell did you say you were? Seattle. Yeah, Seattle. A lovely Seattle night. <laughs> uh, get some sleep. I guess if you're like sitting there waking up at eight, I imagine you don't go to bed too late. Eh, midnight. Yeah, it's yeah, eight hours of sleep. That's good. Yeah, it's plenty. That's what you need. And I bet uh, if you're not eating all that fucking junk food while you're doing experiments on yourself, you'll get like a, a more, uh, uh, a more, what's the word here? A good night's sleep. There a you go. more better sleep. Yeah, a more better sleep. <laughs> Plus, uh, if I pole dance beforehand, it's a sure way to, sure way to knock me out. Christ, I wouldn't be able to do any of that. My arms are so weak. Time to start pole dancing then. Build up some some muscle. Christ, I don't know where the hell I'd put the pole. Yeah, good point. I haven't had one in my house until about two months ago for the first time. Woohoo. Would you have to go somewhere? Yeah. I was going to my local dance studio two times a week for over a year. And then COVID hit and it made me sad. And I was doing some Zoom classes for just like floor dancing and no pole. Mm. Then those stopped. And I was even more sad. But then we moved and got a house and finally installed a pole. And I'm happy again. I wouldn't trust a pole that I installed myself. <laughs> That's very valid. Uh, we definitely made sure that it was not going to fall over and kill me. Has that ever happened? Probably. That'd be a really depressing death. Someone walks in and you just like got this pole and you got smacked in the head. Like just like what a silly death that would be. That would be quite silly and unfortunate. Hmm. <laughs> what a what a lovely sentiment to end on. <laughs> yeah. Pole <laughs> death. <sighs> anyway. Yeah, it could be worse. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> anyway, you have a lovely evening. It was nice chatting. And you too. Uh, keep on making cool music. And I'm sure we'll be hearing your voice in future collabs and all sorts of other things. And so. Uh, Lots of games coming up. Keep your eye out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, we'll, uh, we'll check that out, too. Cool. Very exciting stuff. Thanks for having me, dude. All right, and that was my chat with Megan McDuffie. That was fun. Hope you enjoyed that. 
And tune in next time to Beyond Synth, the best synthwave chat show there is, like I said, because this is the beginning of the school year and getting the kids ready for school. And of course, I've been sort of away for the summer and I have to set up my office again and do all this shit. So next week's episode might be a little off schedule, but hopefully with the school year beginning, we're going to get Beyond Synth back on track and release it on the same day every week. That is not a promise because (laughs) I will undoubtedly fuck it up uh, the first week. So, the point is this. I hope you all have a lovely uh, uh, day and week. Uh, Don't forget to listen to more Beyond Synth and don't forget to subscribe uh, to the Andy Spaceship YouTube channel because more videos are coming very, very soon if they have not been released already. And of course, if you support the show on Patreon and PayPal, uh, you will be getting early access to those videos. So, that's the way it goes. Have a lovely week, and I will talk to you next time on Beyond Synth, the best synth wave chat show there is. Thanks for Beyond Synth is made possible by the supporters on Patreon and PayPal. If you enjoy the show, please consider becoming a supporter at patreon.com slash beyondsynth or donating via PayPal at beyondsynth.com. If you want to submit music to the show, please email beyondsynthsubmissions at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow and subscribe to Beyond Synth on YouTube, Instagram, Twitch, Twitter, and Facebook. May the Force be with you.